The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and to this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope for Tuesday, January 14th, and we would like to thank this new season's sponsor, Scientific Learning's Brain Pro Autism, and their Fast Forward technology. Please go to my host page and click the Pretty Brain Pro banner to get more information or visit www.brainprolearning.com or call 855-308-1362. We are here with my guest, Dr. Brian Hooker, who is an associate professor of biology at Simpson University, where he specializes in chemistry and biology. Brian is the senior process consultant at Aries Corporation, working closely on process design for the environment restoration industry. His design efforts focus on industrial biotechnology and chemical engineering principles. Brian has dedicated over 15 years as a bioengineer and the team leader for the high throughput biology team and operations manager of the DOE Genomics Genomes to Life Center for Molecular and Cellular Systems at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. Dr. Hooker managed applied plant and fungal molecular biology research projects at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, where systems biology researchers are focused on understanding gene and protein networks involved in individual cell signaling, communication between cells and communities, and cellular metabolic pathways. Dr. Hooker earned his Bachelor of Science degree in chemical engineering, his Master's of Science degree, and doctorate, both in biochemical engineering from Washington State University. He has many accomplishments to his credit, including being the co-inventor for five patents and a Federal Laboratory Consortium Recognition Award for his work on reactive transport in three dimensions. The breadth of his over 50 science and engineering papers have been published in internationally recognized peer-reviewed journals. Dr. Hooker has a 15-year-old son with autism and has been active in the autism community since 2004. Welcome, Dr. Brian Hooker. Thank you, Terry. It is uh, uh, great to uh, to be with you this morning and and, and kick off your show with you, I, I really appreciate it. Really get the appreciate the opportunity to uh, to get to speak with you and your listeners. Well, thank you. And that was really you know an an impressive uh, bio sketch, Brian. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about your scientific background? 
Well, I have um, a, a, a have done a lot of work in statistics, and um, uh, in my background, it, you know, as a scientist, I think all scientists have to have at least some background in in terms of uh, statistical analysis because we want to make sure that our data are valid and that results and conclusions that we come up with um, are valid. And I've just very recently started uh, working on um, on epidemiology studies, uh, specifically because of my son, specifically focused on autism, among other uh, neurodevelopmental disorders and other types of neuropsychological uh, challenges, and the relationship to uh, vaccines and vaccine components. I think that is very, very important that we uh, continue to look at this, and we look not only at the body of science that's been produced uh, already, but we also uh, look forward and and explore some of these large databases um, in order to look at the relationship, look at what we can do to stop the autism epidemic, and also then look at what we can do to help the children that have been affected already. Yes, this this topic is important to children worldwide, both from the standpoint, as you said, of helping those who are already affected and from the standpoint of prevention. And our topic today includes keywords like Autism, vaccine, CDC, cover-up. When and why did you get involved in the autism vaccine controversy? Well, um, my son uh, descended uh, into autism after his 15-month vaccinations, and he, um, he had tracked slowly uh, throughout, uh, you know, getting his, his, uh, vaccinations. And, and we felt, uh, you know, my wife and I as parents, we felt like we were doing the best thing that we could possibly do for our son by getting him, uh, vaccinated on time, uh, up through his, uh, 15 month vaccines. And, but I was very, very concerned, um, uh, specifically about uh, the thimerosal, uh, the mercury containing, uh, ethyl mercury containing component in the vaccines, uh, because when we got him tested, we actually got him tested when he was about 30 months old. He had, uh, received his autism diagnosis about a year earlier. But when we got him tested, we saw that he had very, very high level mercuries, uh, mercury coming out, excreting, um, uh, from a system. When we did, you know, very, very simple things like, uh, uh, boost his, uh, detoxification capabilities just, you know, mildly by, uh, uh, different oral therapeutics. All of a sudden this mercury just started pouring out of his body. And the only way that, only, uh, answer that we could come up with, uh, and the only exposure that really we saw that he had endured was the thimerosal from his vaccines. We don't live near a coal fire power plant. Uh, we, uh, he didn't like tuna. And so we ruled that, ruled that out right away. And so I was very, very concerned very early on because he had such a high level of mercury. So what you're telling me, Brian, is that um, you had objective laboratory testing. That's correct. That there was a clinical presentation uh, that uh, suggested mercury toxicity and that detoxification, uh, relevant detoxification, yielded improvement. So all of these things would point towards uh, mercury toxicity. Right. Right. 
and we had uh, the ability to look at his genetics as well. And, and some of the key genetic markers showed that he had an inability to detoxify uh, toxic heavy metals and specifically mercury. So we had access to a lot of information when my, when my son was very, very young. Uh, and I became interested in the fact that uh, at the time, uh, the Centers for Disease Control was uh, um, uh, conducting a study as well as sponsoring several other studies. This was back in 2002, so it's back before the lion's share of any type of epidemiology actually came out in the open scientific literature. And so I actually tried to engage CDC scientists. Uh, you know, I talk them up directly on the phone. I felt like I was a colleague. You know, I had a PhD, and 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 I could talk to them specifically about the science uh, that they were doing. Uh, but uh, the um, overwhelming response that I got that it was that these individuals felt extremely threatened, and yeah. extremely were were um, uh, almost openly hostile to any type of questions that I'd have about their statistical methodology. We, you know, you mentioned genetics, but we know that it's categorically impossible to have a genetic epidemic. And we also know that even if someone has a susceptibility, uh, a predisposition to not being able to detoxify poison as well as the next person, at some point, when you throw enough poison at anybody, there's going to be an effect. Is that the case? That's correct. And we have, uh, you know, within, within our population of children, look at what we're doing. We have um, at, at least 50% of the children that are in school today have some type of chronic condition. And we have ADHD rates through the roof. I don't, I really don't think, you know, I think at a certain level we're so awash in toxins, um, especially things like heavy metals like mercury and aluminum, uh, that it's going to have a profound effect on our population. And we look at scores, we look at um, IQ, and we look at our competitiveness in the world, and, and we're doing very, very poorly. You know, when we look at the United States, uh, given our extremely bloated vaccination schedule, uh, some people would say, oh, well, they removed the Marisol from vaccines. No, they didn't. It's a shell game. They actually uh, put it in the flu shot that children are receiving when they're six months of age, at six months of age, uh, now on a yearly basis. And then there are, they moved it into the flu shot that they're recommending to pregnant women in any trimester. So um, if anything, the exposure to mercury is earlier and more insidious. So if we look, Brian, at um, just what's happening in our world, as you suggest, like college entrance exam requirements needing to be lowered and um, the confidence of females versus males insofar as college or the military, we see evidence of what you're talking about in the world. Right, right. There is, there, there, there's a huge problem um, uh, in, our, in our lack of competitiveness. And, and also, if you look at, you know, the medical histories, our, our, our first-day survival rate, um, in the United States is, is um, among the lowest of the developed nations, you, you know, in our infant mortality rate. So, so it's not just the issue of the, the, you know, the dumbing down of these next generations that are coming up, but it's also more insidious. Um, you know, in, uh, there was a paper that came out by Gary Goldman, and it looked specifically 
at mercury exposure uh, during the uh, 2002- or 2009-2010 flu season. And in that particular season, uh, the CDC not only recommended the seasonal flu shot, but also the mercury-containing H1N1 flu shot to pregnant women. And if you look at the number of miscarriages that occurred during that time period uh, that these women felt were due to their flu shots, uh, it went up by 11-fold. Wow. And, the, and the exposure doubled. The amount of mercury doubled. And there are um, very compelling documents that I've received via the Freedom of Information Act. When the CDC really closed the door to me talking to scientists back in 2003 and 2004, then I realized my only avenue to get answers about their studies that were coming out at that particular point in time and were all fatally flawed was if I uh, started submitting Freedom of Information Act requests. And I've, I've submitted over 100, to date, over 100 FOIA requests to the CDC. And Dr. Goldman, who you mentioned, is also um, an excellent statistician, if I recall correctly, who was part of a CDC surveillance project, but um, had an issue with it uh, because of the ethics that he saw. Right. There are, you know, this is an agency, when you look at the CDC, and Dr. Goldman is completely correct, the CDC invests $4 billion worth of, of, of taxpayer money every year into buying vaccinations, okay? They are the main supplier of vaccines to the United States through uh, HMOs and MCOs, uh, and so they have a vested interest in proving that vaccines are safe regardless of any type of fallout and regardless of what the data actually show. Well, our children, the world's children, need to know what the data actually show. So we thank you for bringing this information to us today, Dr. Hooker, and we're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We would like to, again, thank our sponsor, Scientific Learnings, Brain Pro Autism and their fast forward technology, please go to my host page and click the uh, Brain Pro banner. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time 
here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Brian Hooker uh, with thanks to our sponsor, Scientific Learning's Brain Pro Autism and their Fast Forward Technology. And we are talking today about keywords like autism, vaccines, mercury, CDC, cover-up. But, Brian, why did you focus on the vaccine component, the marisol, mercury? Is that the only problem with vaccines? I, I can say unequivocally, absolutely not. Uh, there are multiple problems with vaccination. Uh, the um, entities like the CDC refuse to look at these particular issues and these particular problems. But uh, the, if you look at, at things like the amounts of aluminum that are in vaccines, the amounts of aluminum that's in the birth have B shot. Even, even though they phase down and, and remove some tamarisol, uh, in uh, the early 2000s, but we still have problems with vaccines, and we haven't even considered the bloating, the bloated vaccine schedule. And these these things have never been adequately studied. So you mean they've never been adequately studied as discrete entities, nor um, synergistically in combination with each other? Um, all of the above. They they haven't been studied uh, individually and they have not been studied uh, um, synergistically. Uh, okay. So, you know, we, we have a huge problem. I, you know, in focusing on Tamarisol, one of the reasons why I've done that, I've also um, initiated studies on, on other vaccine components and other vaccines, but I started with Tamarisol because it was easy, and it seemed like a no-brainer to take it out. Yeah. And, here we are. I started looking at this in 2002. Here we are 12 years later, and it's still in vaccines. Yeah, why? So we know that they could have used single-dose files. They could have used ethanol. So we know from, for example, MIT researcher, uh, scientist Dr. Stephanie Seneff, that there's a problem with aluminum, but yet when mercury was purportedly reduced in vaccines, aluminum went up. And then, as you alluded to early, earlier, there was further skewing of the whole issue by flu shots, etc., containing mercury. Right, right. And the CDC is afraid, um, I believe, to uh, take Tamarisol out of vaccines because they're afraid of what would happen. They're afraid that the rates of neurodevelopmental disabilities and, and neuropsychological problems in the United States would go down. And I think they're very much afraid of that. I think they're also afraid that um, the third world will start demand safe, demanding safer vaccines, as if, you know, some reason they don't deserve safer vaccines, because the same Samarisol-containing vaccines that were phased out in uh, the early 2000s in the United States, which would be the Hep B, the Hip vaccine, and, and the DTaP, these same vaccines are now being distributed in third world countries. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're exporting autism. Exactly. We're exporting autism. So, Brian, is that why you've focused your efforts on malfeasance in the CDC? 
I, I believe that the CDC is the root of the problem. You have an organization that is charged with vaccination safety. They are charged. They have what's called the Immunization Safety Office. It's under the office of the director, but the same organization is in charge of maximizing vaccination uptake. So they want, you know, as many people in the United States to get vaccinated as possible. They're the largest purchaser of vaccines from pharmaceutical companies. And so therefore they, they're, they, they have a completely conflicted interest and they're the ones that are producing the studies that are so fatally flawed and are out and out, you know, I have to say it, and it's difficult to say this as a scientist, but the studies that I've seen, I, and I've evaluated by hand 12 different CDC studies on vaccines and neurodevelopmental disorders, I've, when I evaluate these studies, I see that they're fraudulent. We look at, there's background data that have surfaced via the Freedom of Information Act that have been taken out directly, not, not diluted using statistical techniques, but summarily taken out because they say things that the CDC does not want us to know. Aye, aye, aye. Well, when you were alluding to all of those conflicts of interest, you know, anyone could clearly logically see that there's a problem. So how, you know, you talked about just lock, stock, and barrel taking information out. How did the cover-up regarding the link between thimerosal exposure and autism actually start? Who were the main players? Um, the, it, it's, it's interesting. The, the, um, the CDC and the, the public health service, which is actually, it's almost a, like, considered like a branch of our military. They have uniforms. They, they hold rank, uh, and, and, um, and then, uh, all of the, so the CDC and the public health service and the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, in 1999, um, finally, uh, somebody uh, who was associated with the AAP, Neil Halsey, did the calculation and realized that we had exceeded the maximum safe dose of mercury in infant vaccines by uh, many, many fold. I mean, and in some cases, 80 to 100 fold, we were injecting these infants with these 100 fold more uh, mercury than they were, they were supposed to get. And so in 1980, 1999, Neil Halsey alerted the CDC, the Public Health Service, and the American Academy of Pediatrics and said, we need to do something. This is, this is wrong. Um, so on July 7th, 1999, then they came out with a recommendation that manufacturers phase down the amount of thimerosal that was in vaccines just as soon as possible. But in the background, the CDC, and namely the head of the National Immunization Program, Walter Ornstein, and his science advisor, Roger Bernier, um, were working in the background. They, they did not want this alarm to go out. They did not want the public to be alerted. They felt that it would cause vaccination rates to go down and that there would be shortages of thimerosal-free vaccines. So even in the background in 1999, before any study had been done, before any uh, any type of risk had been determined, uh, the head officials, and, uh, and remember Walter Ornstein, he was one step below the director of the CDC, who at that time was Jeff Copland, and they were working in the background to not alert the public about this potential danger. And so it started at the very, very beginning. Um, Walter Ornstein retired from the CDC in 2004, 
uh, that's after their first um, uh, first studies, uh, epidemiological studies came out um, in all denying causation, all denying um, any type of uh, problem with the marisol containing vaccines. But he is, in my instant, or in in my opinion, and he now works for the Gates Foundation. Uh, in my opinion, he is the father of the thimerosal cover-up. Wow. Uh, how can these people even eat their lunch and digest it serenely, knowing what they've covered up and done to children? And wasn't there that uh, clandestine Simpsonwood meeting, was it June 8th, 2000, at uh, the Simpsonwood Retreat Center in Norcross, Georgia, where one of the uh, officials at that meeting uh, was just having a new grandchild and said, I don't want my grandson vaccinated. And That's correct. That's correct. And at this point, the, this, the CDC, when they initially uh, ran their results, uh, they focused in on uh, the hepatitis B vaccine, uh, which at that point I think was being recommended anywhere between uh, uh, birth all the way to two months. And what they found was that the uh, risk of autism uh, for individuals that were getting the highest exposure of thimerosal in one, uh, between zero and two months, uh, the risk of autism was 7.6-fold. And that was actually published and presented at a conference, it was an internal CDC conference, there was a scientist by the name of Thomas Verstraten who presented these data and had a 7.6-fold increase in autism diagnoses because children were getting the hep B shot. Is that the most alarming thing you've found in information released from the CDC or is there more? It gets worse. <laughs> I, I, you know, it would be it would be wonderful if it didn't, uh, and it, and it would be wonderful at that point. Dan Burton, Congressman Dan Burton, who has uh, a grandson with autism, um, he was uh, he was in contact directly with the CDC, begging them to take the Marisol out of vaccines. It would be wonderful if it, it if it all ended at that particular point in time, but the CDC continued to cover up information. And probably the most insidious uh, uh, data point that I've seen is that when women get the uh, flu shot uh, that contains the Marisol, uh, there are some states that have um, uh, that have laws in place to prevent that from happening. But usually, there's an exception to the rule if there is a is, if there is a flu emergency. Um, so literally, in 50 states, it is possible for pregnant women to get exposed to 25 micrograms of mercury in any trimester of pregnancy. Uh, when the CDC uh, looked at that particular exposure, they saw that um, the infants that were born were 8.73 times more likely. Okay, so that's 800-fold, or I'm sorry, 800% more likely to uh, regress into autism, you know, within uh, the first four years of life. So those individuals exposed prenatally in a very, very crucial neurodevelopmental time, then if the, the woman received the flu shot, then her chances of having a child with autism went up by eightfold. Okay, and that's probably the worst thing that I've seen. But if you look at how the risks compound, 
you know, individuals that receive more and more thimerosal over their lifetime, then um, it's no wonder we are where we are with the autism epidemic, one in 50 children, one in 31 boys, with huge amounts of ADHD and ADD and other neuropsychological disorders because these, these children cannot excrete and they cannot process the amount of mercury that they're seeing uh, prenatally and also uh, in their infant shots. You know, Brian, a couple of things. So, uh, and I'm going to loop around here a little bit. You mentioned you've mentioned something about trace amounts, and you've mentioned Congressman Burton having a grandson with autism. But it's not only uh, it's not only uh, legislators or scientists who have affected family members who have seen the the danger, the risk, and the illogical situation here with using thimerosal mercury in this injected biologic enhances the immune system's normal protective mechanisms. But Dr. Boyd Haley, who was the chair of chemistry at the University of Kentucky, he said something uh, like, uh, after a meeting, I'm on an airplane and I can't believe that I have to explain to my colleagues that mercury is bad. You know, so that's a paraphrase, something to that uh, effect. And in personal communication, um, he also could not say that even trace amounts could be safe. There are individuals who could even be affected by quote-unquote trace amounts. I don't believe there's a threshold safety limit for mercury. I think that, that in reality, the body doesn't use it. There is no mercury receptor on a protein physiologically. And so there, there is no real safe amount. The same thing can be said by aluminum. The body does not have a, um, a mechanism in place to utilize or use aluminum. And one of the other things that Boyd Haley did find out was that there was synergistic toxicity, that when you had mercury and aluminum together, that actually the aluminum increased the toxicity of the mercury by many fold. Okay? Yes, and so we, bingo. And, and, and we, mercury and, and, and uh, testosterone. Correct. Correct. So we, we see an epidemic and, and really a war on boys because um, tes- testosterone increases the level of toxicity of the mercury uh, in the system. And oddly enough, the, the, uh, the ratio of, of uh, um, uh, uh, males to females with autism is about three or four to one. Yes. We've come full okay. circle now. Excellent point. And there is no rational biological reason for having mercury in vaccines. We're going to go to break, and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. 
The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Brian Hooker, who is an associate professor of biology at Simpson University and has many accolades and uh, credentials in uh, biology, chemistry, uh, industrial biotechnology, chemical engineering. Uh, very impressive. And we've been talking about keywords like autism, vaccines, CDC, cover-ups, americal mercury, mercury, which is the second most toxic element known to man. We're talking about something here that, if you can imagine it, it sounds even worse than Fukushima insofar as how toxic mercury is as an element. And this has been injected directly in children. Brian, what types of checks and balances are in place to keep the CDC, quote-unquote, honest? I don't even know if I can use those two wor- uh, words together regarding vaccine safety in this issue in general. There, there are literally no checks and balances in place. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I really want to bring out in this interview. We've went, we've, we've gone, uh, me and, and fellow parents, uh, who are also scientists and other professionals, in, including attorneys, uh, uh, business people, uh, entrepreneurs, et cetera, have gone to, uh, places like the Office of the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services only to have doors slammed on us. And uh, the um, the CDC answers to the uh, um, DHHS, the Department of Health and uh, Human Services, and the secretary, current secretary of the HHS, Kathleen Sebelius, has actually gone to the press and said, if um, the uh, if if the story appears to be anti-vaccine. Please don't run it. She said it directly. She was interviewed by the Reader's Digest earlier, uh, it was several years ago, and she said that she wanted to make sure, and she talked to press outlets to make sure that an anti-vaccine or a, va- a message that would be cautionary about vaccine would be kept out of the press. It would be edited out, and uh, we uh, would lose our freedom of the press. Uh, you know, that would be another estate that we would go to. Uh, but uh, the checks and balances are not there. Uh, so, and, and I'm sorry, quite frankly, vaccine safety should not only be outside of the CDC, but it should be outside of the DHHS in general. 
Okay. And so this issue of vaccine, quote-unquote, safety is even impacting freedom of the press. They can't, news media outlets can't just come out and tell Americans or tell the public the real deal. That is, is I, I wish it wasn't correct, but I, I've talked to key players in the media and they've said, look, this story is radioactive. Nobody wants to run it because of sponsorship. Nobody wants to run the story because of the intense level of persecution and the machine that is out there that is very, very anti um, voices of uh, dissension. They do not want people to dissent with sort of the pharmaceutical industrial complex that is that is now what we face in the United States. And so, you know, you go to media outlets, you go to people, uh, uh, even uh, uh, CBS reporter uh, Cheryl Atkinson, uh, who has reported on this particular issue um, has endured intense persecution, and but then you look at what is out in the press. There are stories uh, you can look at stories on YouTube. Uh, back in uh, 2010, the CDC came out with a study of a fraudulent study that was done by um, a researcher named Christopher Price, and where they said that there was no effect between thimerosal containing vaccines and autism. Um, and there are news stories out there where they actually claim that mercury was protective against neurodevelopmental disorders. And there's nothing been more preposterous. You can look these up. They're on YouTube. News reporters telling their audiences that um, you should get your thimerosal-containing vaccines because they protect against developmental disorders. So the second most toxic element known to man would it was said in that fraudulent study that it was protective insofar as neurodevelopmental disorder. So curiously, Brian, to a certain extent, the strategy, their strategy of um, suppressing the media has has backfired because now there are many parents, there are many citizens, parents who are skeptical uh, about vaccines and getting back to the fact that Dr. Haley um, does does not have an affected relative, he has said, you know, I don't have a horse in this race, you know, uh, but he wants to, uh, he's he's emphasizing that if this program isn't isn't cleaned up, that it's going to be to the detriment of the vaccine program itself. And indeed, people have become skeptical. Right, right. The, there, there's an increased level of skepticism uh, regarding uh, vaccines in general. Um, the, I, I, I believe that the DHHS uh, and the pharmaceutical industrial complex has underestimated the intelligence of the American public. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've done and I learned early on that the parents are the best experts. Parents are the best experts of their children. They're the ones that are living with their children 24-7. They know what's going on with their bodies. They know and, and should be able to ask intelligent questions or just ask questions, what am I putting in my child's body? And rather than getting a pat answer from the American Academy of Pediatrics, they deserve real, frank, not fraudulent answers. And what is being... Um, uh, perpetuated uh, by the CDC and by the DHHS as a whole 
and by the, if you could call it the pediatrics industry, is that more vaccines are better. Uh, there was even a press release that came out of the Mayo Clinic uh, that talked about the prenatal uh, flu shot being protective against autism. Nothing could be further than the truth. Well, you know, a parent went to their pediatrician and asked about mercury, and the pediatrician said, it's just a little bit, it's just a little bit of mercury. But Dr. Stephanie Cave in the past has said, well, what's a little bit of poison? So, Brian, what are the limitations regarding independent review of the CDC's vaccine safety activities? Um, from, from, you know, from what I can gather, and this is evidence from the Freedom of Information Act, when any scientist when, within the CDC goes rogue and starts to question vaccine safety activities, curiously, these researchers are um, uh, restricted and are usually personnel actions. There, there have been cases uh, where a uh, former head of the uh, vaccine safety office, the immunization safety office, raised a question of the independence of the office and even suggested that the office be moved out of the CDC. Uh, that individual was actually put on uh, a disciplinary action for two years. And once the disciplinary action was lifted by the CDC, by, by top officials in the CDC, then this individual was transferred out of vaccine safety. And the reason why this individual was, was uh, disciplined in the first place is they had the audacity to say, we need more independence. And there are several scientists that, you know, there is, there is a revolving door of scientists. Usually they go to private industry uh, in, the, in the vaccine manufacturers themselves. But you can look that, there, that whenever somebody within the CDC raises the question of independence, then strangely they go through some type of HR disciplinary action. And that wow. is just, it's very, very odd. I, you know, I don't feel sorry for CDC scientists because I see the fraud that they perpetuate. But then again, at the same time, there is a machine in place that is producing propaganda to um, ensure massive vaccination and massive profits to vaccine uh, companies. Conversely, to those uh, more courageous employees who ended up being disciplined, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where Julie Gerberding is and who she was? That's right. Well, Julie, Julie Gerberding was very, very sick in the, in the autism controversy. And um, there, there are instances I have from the Freedom of Information Act where she's lied to congressmen. Um, she told uh, uh, Congressman David Weldon that the final Institute of Medicine uh, vaccine safety meeting back in 2004 would not be the final word on Thimerosal, and there would be further meetings on Thimerosal. But in reality, it, it was by contract that final meeting was to close the door not only on the question of whether mercury was safe for you in vaccines, but also close the door on additional funding to any type of research, any type of government research, to individual scientists regarding the mercury issue. And, and so, so Gerberding then, um, she was paid off very, very well. She ended up in 2009 where? At Merck. At Merck. Right. Always <laughs> We said jinx. Um, at Merck. And she ended up in the vaccine, the head of the vaccine division. Uh, which is a very profitable, profitable in the in the billions of dollars per year division at Merck. 
Okay, so she left her directorship and went directly to a vaccine manufacturer. Okay, and, and the person to whom she lied was Congressman Dr. David Weldon. He's a doctor. That, he, yes, Dr. David. He's since retired from Congress, and he's in private practice. But, yes, she, she lied directly to a physician about the state of events regarding mercury. And since the Institute of Medicine has looked at vaccine safety since 2004, but they have specifically sidestepped the mercury issue. They've never been asked by the CDC to look at mercury again because the CDC, in effect, want to close the door on research. And they closed the door on the world's children. We will be right back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. It's a beautiful day. Do you look your best? Do you feel your best? While everybody ages, why does it seem to show more in some people than others? It could have to do with what's inside and how it affects you outside. Tune in to Health and Beauty for Life with Dr. Tang and Alexandra. Their training in medicine and nutrition brings proven results with their patients. And now they're ready to bring that knowledge to you. We'll answer your questions and explore innovations in technology and medicine to keep you looking and feeling your best. Tune in Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Everyone is eligible for RX Savings Plus. There's no age or income restrictions and no paperwork. Simply print a card and start saving on your prescriptions. Start saving today. Enroll and print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96 Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Brian Hooker. Again, he has a Master's of Science and a Doctorate, both in Biochemical Engineering and just a wealth of knowledge and experience. Dr. Hooker, you recently started to conduct and publish vaccine safety studies using the CDC data. What are your results? Uh, well, we were just able to have a paper published. It came out uh, right before the end of the year in a journal called Translational Neurodegeneration. Uh, that's a mouthful. And it is um, a, a free article. You can download it if you go to, uh, if you just Google PubMed, uh, and then that will take you to the National Library of Medicine, and uh, you put in Tamarisol, and autism, then it's one of the first papers that will come up. The first author is David Geyer, and I am the second author. I did this in uh, collaboration with the Geyers, who uh, we we actually went into the CDC, went into um, a private room. It's the only room in the nation where you can access the CDC's large database, the Vaccine Safety Data Link. And what we found was that individuals that received the thimerosal containing uh, Hep B shot, uh, there there are three in the series. 
and if all three contained thimerosal, then they were much more likely, they were over three times more likely to receive um, a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, whether it be autism, Asperger syndrome, regressive autism, whatever. Uh, they were three times more likely. Uh, the, the importance of that study is that we are using a new technique. Uh, the CDC in the past, um, when, you know, when you do an experimental study like this, you have to have cases and you also have to have a control group that is non-autistic. The CDC in the past has used a control group that was too young to really determine whether they were non-autistic or not. Uh, most children don't receive an autism diagnosis until they're at least two years of age. And so we came up with a methodology that we assured that our controls were 97.5% certain that they would never receive an autism diagnosis. And when we did this, then we saw the rates just increase like nobody's business. Two times, uh, you know, just receiving one thimerosal containing hepatitis B shot um, increased your risk by twofold. And receiving the entire series, then your risk went up above, above over threefold. And, Brian, you're talking about the fact that um, you have this published. And just to remind our listeners that the scope of Dr. Hooker's over 50 science and engineering papers have been published in internationally recognized, peer-reviewed journals. So, Brian, is it actually... Um, possible? It sounds like from what you're saying that you're doing some work, quote-unquote, checking the CDC's work and being able to either verify or uh, here's a rebuttal to their past publication. Yes. I want many independent scientists to do this across the world. Um, interestingly, uh, when the article was published, it is, it's, it's an open source article, and that means that you can get the entire publication for free. Um, the publication was accessed within the, within the first two weeks. There were over um, uh, 10,000 individuals that downloaded that article, which in science is, you know, that's, that, that's like having a top 40 hit. And, and so we were very, very excited that the word was getting out. But not only – now, the CDC has what's called the Vaccine Safety Data Link, and that's very difficult to get into. Uh, uh, Dr. Mark and David Geyer spent many, many years and many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own personal expense trying to get into the Vaccine Safety Data Link. And um, from firsthand experience, it's guarded like a fortress. You can never look at overall exposure to thimerosal. You can only look at one type of vaccine at the time. So we looked at the Hep B individually, but we could never um, uh, access or be able to determine overall risk. But the CDC also has, by law, because the CDC is enforcing the law to keep uh, thimerosal in vaccines, by law, the CDC has to provide public use data sets. And so anybody, any citizen can, can email the CDC. It's at publicdataset at cdc.gov, uh, and access the background data and go, any, any independent scientist, anybody that has a background in statistics can go and check the CDC's work. And what you'll see is time and time again, I've done this. We're publishing, uh, we, we have at least three more papers in the hopper. 
that will be published in 2014. And we've seen this time and time again that the risks are elevated and that the CDC used dubious statistical methods uh, and uh, dubious tracking methods and to, in order to obviate the risk every time. So, Brian, what can individuals do? You've mentioned a, a website they can go to and a way that they can access information. What can individuals do? What can our listeners do to help the cause to demand accountability and adequate vaccine safety testing? The uh, uh, one of the things that they can do that I that I think is 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 very important is to contact their congressional representatives. Right now, the Congressional Oversight and Government Reform Committee is looking at this particular issue, and they they did hold a hearing in November uh, 2012, and uh, the um, the testimony of Colleen Boyle afterwards was called impeachable. They said they, 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 they felt that Colleen Boyle's testimony was full of holes. Uh, she is uh, one of the chief officials in birth defects and developmental disabilities at the CDC. And so uh, there is a dubious history between the CDC and the Congressional Oversight and Government Reform Committee. If you tell your congressman that you want vaccine safety, adequate vaccine safety testing, uh, and you want all vaccine safety removed from the CDC, uh, then you put the ball in their court. Okay, so that's one thing that you can do. Uh, the other thing that you can do is if, if you feel the need to be vaccinated, make sure that you always, always, always use the Marisol-free shots. And if, and if a pediatrician or another healthcare professional says, well, it's just a little bit, then you exit, stage left, you leave. Okay, there, it's, you know, it's your body, you have to be the steward of what you're putting in your body. Mercury has no place in your body. Absolutely. And, Brian, I want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Dr. Brian Hooker, for being a forthright hero for the world's children. And thank you for being with us today to give this vital information to our listeners. And we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to visit our sponsor, Scientific Learning's Brain Pro Autism and their Fast Forward technology. Please go to my host page and click on the Pretty Brain Pro banner to get more information or visit www.brainprolearning.com or call 855-308-1362. Also, the Autism One Conference is coming up in May, please visit www.autismone.org. Dr. Brian Hooker will be there. And Dr. Hooker, do you have anything that you'd like to say in closing? What is the most important take-home message you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I, I, I do want to thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, those, those individuals that have been affected by this, um, you have a voice. And, and I, I want you to exercise your voice. Things like social media uh, that uh, can get the word out, uh, writing your congressman, uh, uh, talking to uh, the congressional workers in your district, anything that you can do. We can put this epidemic to the end, but it's going to take a grassroots effort. Well, thank you, Dr. Hooker, for giving us such compelling information to help us in that effort. You're very welcome, Terry. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.